0: This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, March 24th, 2013. Jesus hailed. Jesus nailed. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You want to wave your palm with me? Say it with me. Hosanna in the highest. Say it. Hosanna Hosanna in the the highest. highest. One more time, Hosanna Hosanna in the the highest. highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Good morning, Connection Church.
1: My name is Carrie Jones. I'm
0: Alan Jones.
1: And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of Of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ would you pray with us please God we thank you for today a day when we shout Hosanna look deep into our hearts Lord teach us exactly what you want us to know today we give this time to you now I pray all distractions are set aside so that we can really focus on you we pray this in your name and everybody gathered said
0: amen Amen. and so this morning we celebrate what we call in the church palm sunday palm sunday the the day when jesus returned to jerusalem and was greeted with a hero's welcome when we read about this in the bible you know a lot of different bibles have like subheading titles for different sections Now, depending on the translation, we have different subheadings for this section. The one says the triumphal entry. Another says the royal welcome. And yet another says Jesus comes to Jerusalem as a king. As a king. He is treated like a king. Like a king who is returning from some glorious victory on the battlefield. In our day, it would be like uh, some famous rock star coming to town or some movie star, some sports celebrity. The, The people are going crazy as they lay down their cloaks in the street and cut palm branches and lay them out, symbolically humbling themselves before the Lord. Things are at such a fever pitch that some of the Pharisees, those church leaders who are experts in the law, they say to Jesus, Get your followers under control, man! And he responds, If they were quiet, the very stones would cry out.
1: And so we have to wonder. We wonder, what is causing all of this? The scriptures don't share it exactly, but perhaps the people have heard the stories. Stories that we've been talking about over the past few weeks. Stories of how Jesus is approachable how Jesus is engaging, how Jesus is unconventional, of how Jesus is vital. Maybe they've heard the stories of Jesus forgiving sinners, stories of Jesus assuring people how much God loves them, stories of how Jesus brings people back from the dead. Stories of calming the sea. Stories of how Jesus is greater. And yes, maybe they've realized, too, that Jesus is gooder. That's what we talked about last week. You know, back then, even without cell phones, even without Facebook, Twitter, or texting, the word got out. And there were hundreds and thousands of people who knew Jesus was around, who knew Jesus was coming into town. Despite the fact that today we have all these things, the word of mouth perhaps is still the best way to spread the good news of Jesus. That's something for us to keep in mind, especially as we move into this week, our Thursday night service, and our Easter Sunday service where we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Mm.
0: can only imagine what it must have been like that day. And you know, if, if it was you or, or me instead of Jesus, it would be real easy for it to go to our head, wouldn't it? Get all caught up in it, to let all that hoopla affect you, to direct uh, maybe it would direct you, maybe even control you to a little bit be real easy for many of us to enjoy that kind of attention enough to allow it to uh, to kind of influence who we are, influence what we would do. But that didn't happen to Jesus. (coughs) Excuse me. In Matthew's telling of this event, the next thing Jesus did after entering Jerusalem was go right to the temple. Now, the people coming to the temple were expected to bring some kind of a sacrifice. Ideally, it'd be an unblemished lamb, but... For many families, that was a very expensive sacrifice, and so they were allowed to bring a, an unblemished dove. Now, the temple was full of people from out of town because it was the, uh, the Passover celebration. People from all over were in town, and to make traveling easier, oftentimes, rather than bringing the sacrifice with them, they would buy it once they got to Jerusalem. And so some entrepreneurs had set up shop right there in the temple area selling unblemished doves. Can you hear it now? Two for a buck, you know. Uh, and also, since they came from out of town, they had currency, uh, and they had to exchange it. You've been maybe in a foreign country where you had to exchange currency, right? Same idea. And so you had money changers, Scripture tells us, in that temple. The challenge wasn't they were the doves and the uh, exchange money. It was they were profiteering. They were charging large amounts in order to profit from the people coming to the temple needing a sacrifice and their money exchanged. And Jesus Jesus doesn't really like it when we profit a whole lot off of uh, churchy stuff, off the gospel, off of godly things. And so when Jesus sees this, well, he comes unglued. I mean, it's one of the uh, angriest we see him in the scriptures. He drives them out of there. He flips tables. That must have been some kind of a scene Doves flying, money flying, people flying, it must have been crazy. He told them they weren't allowed to carry any merchandise through the temple area.
1: He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. After that, he taught daily in the temple, but the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the other leaders of the people began planning how to kill him. But they could think of nothing because all the people hung on every word he said.
0: Mm.
1: Being politically correct <laughs> or even religiously correct was never one of Jesus' strong suits. <laughs> Jesus was always biblically Correct.
0: And so as the scripture tells us, the religious leaders began looking for a way to be rid of this man. Well, he was a royal pain in their side. And, and at the end of this next uh, chapter in this book of Luke, we find the religious leaders continuing to plot in response to a parable, a story that Jesus had told just previous to this section of scripture.
1: The, the teachers. Te- Go ahead.
0: Teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken this parable against them. But they were afraid of the people.
1: And so the last week (coughs) of Jesus' life begins. A week that started out so promising, so exciting, where people were praising his name, welcoming him in. Who would have ever thought that it would end this way? Have you ever had a week like that? Where you're like, at the top of the world, everything's going great. It is just a really, really awesome week. Mm. And by the end of the week, things had changed drastic, drastically. Drastically. You've heard some news, you've experienced something where everything was here and on a dime it turned and became a horrible week. Well, Jesus can relate to all of those kinds of weeks that we have.
0: Yeah, he can relate because this is his week, yeah? And, and the thing is, he knew what was coming. Sometimes we get kind of blind. He didn't get blind, he knew what was coming. He's quite prophetic. (laughs) He knew it was coming. But with that in mind, though, he continued to teach in the temple, teach all that he could to the people. The Bible says that Jesus was teaching every day at the temple, and then each evening he would go off to spend the night on a hill called the Mount of Olives. All the while, the chief priests and teachers of the law continued to look for a way to get rid of Jesus But again, they were very careful, for they were afraid of the people, the people who came to hear Jesus teach every day.
1: Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him thirty pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over.
0: Mm. And so here's the situation. The one who just a couple days earlier had been given this hero's welcome, this parade, this Hosanna in the highest, hailed as a king, is now going to be betrayed, given over, offered up for 30 stinking pieces of silver by one of the, guys who's been closest to him one of the 12 disciples who he's been traveling with teaching mentoring for the last three years judas iscariot made a deal with the religious leaders not to mention with the devil himself to turn jesus over to them at just the right time
1: and that time turned out to be the night when the jews celebrated the passover meal Jesus and the disciples, being, Jew- being Jewish, celebrated that meal as well. We generally refer to it as the Last Supper, as it is the last time they had a meal together, the last time Jesus and his disciples would share together before Jesus was arrested, imprisoned, and executed
0: was during this meal together that Jesus shared with his disciples one of the greatest lessons he ever shared with them. custom of that day was when you went to someone's house, they had a servant who would wash your feet because they wore these sandals that were open, the roads were dirty, and your feet would get kind of crusty, and it was just refreshing and cleansing to have that done before uh, when you entered the house. The place where they were having this Last Supper, though, was a rented room, and so there was no servant. And so during the meal, Jesus gets on his knees with a basin and a towel, and he takes the role of the servant at this meal and proceeds to wash the feet of each of his disciples. Can you imagine being, not in their shoes, but in their place? Can you imagine being in their place and having the Son of the Most High God washing your feet. How humbling would that be? And then Jesus shares with them. The reason he did that was to show them that he came to serve, not be served. And that they were to do the same. How ironic is it that that the Son of God, God in the flesh, would be the one to wash the feet of these disciples rather than the other way around. How ironic that Jesus would be washing the feet of these guys, one of whom is about to betray him, and the rest of whom are shortly going to desert him. That is definitely God's uh, agape, God's unconditional love in action, isn't it?
1: And so Jesus spends much of the time that's left teaching his disciples, trying to prepare them for when he is gone, for life without him. In the process, Peter claims that he will follow Jesus. He would lay his life down for Jesus. And Jesus informs Peter that before the rooster crows, that's before morning comes, that Peter will deny him not once or twice, but... Three times. Can you imagine how difficult that would have been for Peter to hear? Can you imagine how difficult that was for Jesus to know that Peter would betray him?
0: After that supper, Jesus once again went to the Mount of Olives, also known as the Garden of Gethsemane, to pray. His disciples followed, and when they got there, he took three of the disciples, kind of his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, a little further with him, for support. And then he went off himself to pray, and three times he came back, and each time they were asleep, not much support there. They couldn't even stay awake in his final hour. Wow. Incredible. And then then Judas comes up. And, 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 and he's with the chief priests and the elders of the people, and Scripture tells us that he kisses Jesus. How ironic is that, to betray someone with a kiss? Kisses him to identify him as the one that these guys want, and they proceed to take him in, take him before what's known as the Sanhedrin, kind of like the, uh, the Supreme Court of the Jewish people. And while this happened, the disciples, Jesus' closest followers, those he's been mentoring and teaching and sharing life with for three years, the guy who they've been just like brothers, they all desert him and scatter out of fear. That Palm Sunday parade that we celebrated earlier this morning is kind of a distant memory at this point, isn't it?
1: Well, it was the religious leaders that claim that Jesus is guilty of blasphemy. Blasphemy is when someone claims they are God or the Son of God, and so they look for the death penalty as punishment. They take him to a man named Pilate. Pilate was the Roman governor, and he asked Pilate. they asked Pilate to declare that death sentence and to take Jesus' life. Pilate is reluctant, but the leaders keep pushing him and pressuring him. And so the custom was, at the Passover feast, that they would let a prisoner go free. A Jewish prisoner go free. Pilate gives the crowd a choice. Is it Jesus or is it Barabbas? Now, Barabbas was a murderer. The religious leaders encouraged the crowd to ask for Barabbas' freedom and have Jesus executed. And so they shout, Crucify him! Crucify him! And even though Pilate feels that Jesus is innocent, it's as if he washes his hands of the whole matter and gives the people what they want.
0: And then Jesus is publicly humiliated by the governor's soldiers. They spit on him. They mock, on, mock him, the idea of him being king of the Jews, by putting a scarlet robe and a, and a crown on his head, the crown being made of thorns, so that when they push it down, those thorns dig deeply, drawing blood and extreme pain. They beat him within an inch of his life. The whips then had pieces of bone and metal that would literally pull the flesh off of your body. And they lead him to his final execution, him carrying his own wood on which he would be hung. And so the one who a few days earlier was hailed as a hero is now treated as a common criminal as he is nailed to the cross. And the religious leaders also mock him by saying he saved others, but he can't save himself.
1: Crucifixion was one of the cruelest, most painful ways to put someone to death. They tried to inflict maximal pain, even in the way the nails went in. Nailed to a cross, it was not the loss of blood that would kill someone, but they would die by strangulation. Because they could not hold themselves up on the cross, hold themselves up enough to breathe. And so Jesus willingly gave himself up, willingly gave himself up for us and died on the cross that day. There was a rich man, his name was Joseph of Arimathea, And he took Jesus' body down and he he washed it and wrapped it in clean linen and placed it in a new tomb. And then rolled a large rock at the entrance of that tomb.
0: Mm. It's quite a week, wouldn't you say? Quite a week. Starts with shouts of Hosanna and ends with shouts of crucify him. Starts with the waving of palm branches and laying them down in the street. And it ends with the hammering of nails and flesh to hang someone, Jesus, on a cross. Starts with the waving of the palms and it ends with that, the cross. And we have to wonder, gosh, how does that happen from That's short of a time from from the beginning of week till not even the end of the week. How can it change that quickly? How can we be shouting a hero to wanting to put somebody on the cross? What a week. And yet, don't we do that ourselves sometimes in our relationship with Jesus? I mean, don't we uh, sometimes shout, yeah, he's my Lord and Savior, and praise the lord and jesus is king and we're just open up and not too long after that we would turn our back and and like peter even deny him maybe not quite so publicly but quietly when we have those chances to shout his praises and we don't you and me both don't we do that same thing where the one that we hail as our king we too sometimes are guilty of nailing him to the cross. I know I need to read more of my Bible and pray more on a daily basis. I'm called to, to kind of be the lone uh, light in the dark room, you know, to, to shine for others even when others won't shine. and. Um, you know, no matter who's opposing me, whether they love me or hate me, I, I, I need to love them and respect them. I need them. to
1: pray every day. I need to read the Bible every day. I need to walk with Jesus every you know, day. I need to read the Bible more than I am, uh, but...
0: Everyday life just takes me away from giving myself that dedication time to reading and praying. In high school and a lot of times I get caught up in conversations that I shouldn't. Um, sometimes, I, you know, I get tempted to disrespect those who disrespect me.
1: The I don't do this every day is because I get in my own way and I trip over my own life. just gets in the way. Uh, and, um, you know, you always say, okay, I know I gotta read this and you, for me, I just, take it up, usually it's on my bed, and I put it on the couch, and then I remember something I had to do, and then I go do that, and then I remember something else I have to do, and then before you know it...
0: The whole... My name is Hector, and I nailed Jesus to the cross. My name is Shane, and I nailed Jesus to the cross.
1: My name is Esther, and I nailed Jesus to the cross. My name is Anita, and I nailed Jesus to the cross.
0: joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.